You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Um, so today, obviously, is going to be a recap day. Uh, two, two main points here. Number one, I didn't stay up for the whole thing. If I'm being completely honest, I have not made it through one entire preseason, preseason game. Bedtime's 8 o'clock for me, man. If I stay up till 9 to watch it till halftime, I expect a round of applause. But uh, the bottom line is I stay in and watch until the guys that uh, I feel like I need to watch stop playing. Or in this case, stop playing slash get injured and carted off the field. Uh, but the, the second point, the second main point, I didn't think it was that bad. The injuries aside, um, I didn't care about the 80-yard field. I don't feel like that impacted really anything. I know people made a big deal about it. I made a big deal about it when it happened. But once you watch it, it's like, this is just a normal football game. It's not a big deal. And uh, beyond that, I, I actually liked what I saw from the Packers. Not perfect. And I, if I haven't said it before, allow me to say it now. I could not care in the slightest who wins and loses. I, that has zero bearing on anything. I saw somebody made a comment on Twitter. Um, you know, the Packers' Twitter account posted something about, oh, Matt LaFleur thought it was a better game or something, better tackling. And somebody below was like, oh, really? If it was better, then why did you lose? Like, <laughs> come on, man. That that has literally nothing to do with anything. I mean, it, think about it in these terms. The preseason is about individual evaluation. Beyond the preseason, it becomes group evaluation, right? Because individual performance means nothing if you don't get the W. You can still praise that guy like, hey, Devontae was awesome, but it doesn't matter because we lost. Or, you know, in that case, it's almost the opposite to where everybody was pretty much awesome, However, these two people really messed up. Crosby missed 19 field goals and we lost the game. So because of one or two or three people, the whole thing was lost. This was almost the opposite. Pretty much everybody was awesome. I mean, I, I can't officially say everybody because I didn't watch everybody, but everybody I saw, I appreciated, with the exception of a few. And primarily, the quarterbacks were really bad. Not for the whole thing, but, you know, it was pretty ugly for a while. And that culminated in a loss. And I don't care, because the score has zero bearing on anything. Wow, Tim Boyle, who maybe is going to make the team about 50% on that, played kind of crummy for the first half of the first half. And who knows what happened in the second half. I don't know. I don't care. I went to bed. Because the second half, the first half is a bunch of bubble players, most of which are going to make the team. Some of them are not. The second half is the exact opposite. Most of these guys probably not going to make the team. Some of them maybe, but you know, again, the, the only reason I bring this up is because I can just feel this hostile energy. Now you go on Twitter and everybody's angry. Oh, we lost. Oh, the field conditions. Ooh, uh, uh. Even the press conference afterward that I was listening to with Matt LaFleur. I mean, Matt seemed a little bit testy. That's true. But even the, the questions were so like, why did you do that? Dude, go away. Anyways. I'm going to do my best to not sit here and try to research stuff so I can fly through because, you know, again, another late start because I did stay up late. Yes, 9 o'clock is late. Leave me alone. But anyways, before we uh, take our first break, let me just once again remind you about the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever. If you guys are into that whole fantasy football thing, you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. 
season long, no management. You do your draft, no trades, no waiver wires. Don't even have to set your lineup. Best player gets automatically started, and you get the best score every week. No problemo. So really, you can just go on there and do some other stuff. Like if you like doing the week-to-week, jump on draft. You might as well, because all you got to do to get into this is do a draft, set your lineup 16 weeks later, boom, millionaire, no big deal. And then through the through the weeks, you can keep doing these other games and whatnot. You know how it is. Extra bonus, for a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit on draft, but you got to use promo code Packernet. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using my promo code Packernet when you make your first deposit on draft. Just search draft in the app store or go to draft.com and come play free with promo code Packernet. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. It's hard to know exactly where to start here. But I guess we'll start with the field conditions because it is a little bit of a weird situation. Um, first of all, apparently the Raiders were fine. They were ready to go. They're like, yep, looks good, man. Did a good job patching it up. Let's rock. And then Gutekunst and the Packer guys come out and they're like, nah, we're not doing this. And presumably they're like, no, we're not playing. And that's when they came to the compromise of the 80-yard field. E- either way, this is going to be an absolute um, joy to watch on hard knocks. And unfortunately, the Green Bay Packers' debut on the show is probably going to be Gruden and the Raiders talking about how dumb the Packers are, how this is ridiculous. These guys are a bunch of, you know, choose my words carefully here, um, sissies. Was that is that acceptable? I don't care. And so that'll be uh, that'll be fun. But the other really really weird thing about this, and I don't understand why he felt the need to do this, but so Matt Lafleur decided to play the starters. Seemingly, that did include Aaron Rodgers. Then we have a problem with the field. Apparently, somewhere out there, and I I didn't see it. Again, I just woke up. I'm trying to get caught up on all this stuff. Somewhere out there is a video of Aaron Rodgers saying that he was told he's not playing because of field conditions. Matt LaFleur decides to get in front of the media and say, oh, I don't don't know what's going on with the field. I just uh, just didn't feel like playing the starters last minute. That's weird because it seems to correspond with the, no, 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 it's, uh, it's not the field. I didn't, I didn't even know what was going on. I was just standing there like, yeah, just tell me what to do, man. And then while they were trying to figure it out, I was like, well, the Raiders aren't playing their starters. I'm not going to play mine. Either, I'm, come on, man. It's weird because <laughs> it's like he's lying and he's doing it so that he can make himself look worse. Because if you say, look, they said the field conditions were bad. I'm not going to put my guys out there. That's a reasonable thing to do. And it sounds like that's literally what happened. But he's deciding to say, no, it had nothing to do with the field. I decided that I wasn't going to play my starters because the Raiders weren't playing theirs, which has no bearing on anything. Why are you letting the Raiders make your decisions for you? Do you want to evaluate your guys or not? Why would it matter if the Raiders are playing their starters or not? Why would that have any bearing on whether or not Aaron Rodgers gets to play a series or a quarter or whatever? I mean, how, how do you have this entire plan for an entire week of this is what we're going to do and then the last second, because the Raiders aren't playing their starters, you make up a whole new plan. I, I just, I, I don't get it. And again, it seems like maybe this isn't true, because again, apparently, and I don't know, sometimes things get misconstrued, apparently Aaron Rodgers came out and said, I was told I'm not playing because of the field conditions. Which is weird by itself, because I suppose there's a chance there's a, a, a quarterback sneak where he runs into the end zone and gets hurt. 
But the quarterback wouldn't probably be hurt by the field conditions in the end zone. And beyond that, they rectified the situation, right? I mean, they, they did the 80-yard thing so that people... And, unless it has to do with the slipping, which guys were slipping, the field is weird, and then maybe Matt just got a weird feeling. I was like, look, man, it's weird. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. But again, why do you go in front of the media and say, oh, no, it was because the Raiders made my decision for me. They didn't want to do it, and I, I, I decided, like, like the little brother or something. Dude, you're the head coach. You make the decisions. Don't let Gruden make your decisions for you. Oh, you're not playing your start? I thought we were supposed to in week three. I, I, I'm not doing it either. I'm not, no, 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 no. I was never going to do it. It's not, no, no. What are you doing? If anything, lie the other way. If you're letting Gruden make your decision, just lie and say, I don't know, man. They said the field conditions were messed up. I'm not putting my guys out there. Lie to me the other way. Such a weird thing. Like, what? I don't get it. Why? It's really, really kind of embarrassing. So that that part was strange. Um, I suppose it ended up being a good thing because the starters, you know, most of the starters, anyways, didn't get hurt. I mean, some of them, some of these guys, it's it's they're maybe not quote unquote starters. They're rotational guys that are going to be playing a lot, but they're not going to get the little S like Rashawn Gary and Tyler Lancaster, both of whom got hurt like Equinemius, who is probably out for the season. So pretty much the the right at that second tier, those are the guys that all got banged up. So I'm kind of worried that if you put the starters out there, maybe those are the guys that got hurt. So probably a good call, but just just weird. I don't, I don't know. doesn't make any sense, and it does not. You know, I'm not going to make a big Florio thing out of this, but it's just it's just weird. Like, why are you doing that? We'll, we'll, we'll call it a learning moment for the first-year head coach because that just doesn't make any sense. It, it seems at least pretty obvious that he was very, very on the fence about this. Like, he made the decision, yeah, we're doing it, and then the back of his head is a little voice going, don't do it, don't do it, you're dumb, Aaron Rodgers is going to get hurt, everyone's going to hate you, don't do this, don't do this, you're going to lose your whole your, your first season as a head coach, you're not going to have Rodgers, you're going to go get two wins because Boyle can't throw a football and Kaiser can't throw a football, and you're going to get fired in your first year because you got Aaron Rodgers hurt. And that voice was going for like 48 hours in the back of his head. So he saw Gutekunst go out and kick dirt once, and he's like, nope, 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 sit down, take your stuff off, everybody sit down, sit down, sit down, I'm done, we're not doing this. And then in the press conference just said something stupid. I don't, I, I don't know. It's the best thing I can come up with. So anyways, uh, we'll just do the usual position by position, give you my thoughts if I have any. Quarterbacks, Tim Boyle got uh, the entire first half, presumably most of the third, based on the stats. Again, I didn't watch the second half. Deshaun Kaiser, 4 of 7 for 24 yards and a pick. So my thought going into this, Deshaun Kaiser is the clear number two. That's why they benched him. Tim Boyle will be the number three, and we'll see if he even makes the team. And then I checked the stats, and Deshaun Kaiser was given about four plays. Now, this could still be Deshaun Kaiser as the number two, right? Because Matt LaFleur had said we want to see more from Tim Boyle, so that kind of makes sense, and especially let's see him against better competition and that kind of stuff. I don't know. And then maybe we're just trying to dial back Deshaun Kaiser because we don't want him getting hurt either. But also, maybe it's the other thing where Tim Boyle is going to probably be the number two and Deshaun Kaiser maybe just isn't going to be sticking around. I don't, I don't know. But I can tell you four of seven for 24 yards and a pick isn't great, especially compared to 16 to 25, which isn't super great, but 191 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. And the whole, you know, Tim Boyle against lesser competition and all that, well, not this time. Granted, there were no starters, but so what? I, I, I really haven't changed very much of, of what I'm thinking um, 
I don't think Tim Boyle and Deshaun Kaiser, either of them, are great options. I don't really know that there are good options available outside of perhaps a trade or, a, you know, like has been alluded to, maybe wait for somebody to get cut and then go hard after them. Don't really know the solution, and for that reason, I guess I don't super care. Like, I mean, it really, how, how, how earth-shattering is it if Tim Boyle or Deshaun Kaiser is the number two and the other one gets cut? I mean, pick either one. Tim Boyle is the guy, Deshaun gets cut. I mean, that's, that's a bigger thing, but does anybody really care? Or if Deshaun Kaiser is the number two and Tim Boyle gets cut, and I know a lot of people are going to get mad because they like Tim Boyle, but in the grand scheme of things, if we're thinking Packers and Super Bowl and how do we get there, does anybody care about any of this? I would assume the answer is zero people care about this. If there's anybody out there to when the question is asked, how do the Packers win the Super Bowl? If, if anywhere, if any space in your mind is occupied by the thought, I don't know, who's our backup quarterback? You should probably either take a vacation, take some time off. I, I don't know. But you, you got to get some, get some time to sort things out in your life because things are not well with you. But um, anyways, no, I, you know, I guess on the, on the positive side, trying to be nice now, Tim Boyle started off pretty terrible, and especially the downfield shots he really struggled with. But I, I thought he and the offense in general, when things were short to intermediate, whether that's the run game, short passes, or intermediate passes, I thought he was actually pretty on point. The offense just typically stalled when they'd have a really good run, another decent run, or, you know, whatever. We're, we're in you know, second and four, and he throws two deep passes. I mean, it kind of looked like last year's Packers. Like, hey, that was a great run. We're doing great when, with these short to intermediate passes. I know what we'll do. Let's try to launch the ball 40 yards down the field twice in a row and see how that goes. Oh, punt? That's weird. I thought for sure that was going to work. Tim Boyle struggled with the deep ball. That, too, got a little bit better, but still, it's just, I don't know. Maybe that's what they wanted to see. Maybe they, they know he's good at that other stuff. We need him to practice getting the ball down the field. So that's why we did it. And, again, also why I don't care about the score. Because preseason is not only our goal isn't primarily to win. It's almost the opposite. Of course, they want to win. But, for example, like I just said, let's just say he, he can handle the short to intermediate routes. The one thing he's bad at is, is deep throws. So what does a head coach do? He dials up exactly what the player is bad at to try to get him practice, to try to get him better at it. So it's the exact opposite of the regular season where you're strictly doing things that you're really good at, maybe venturing out into things you're not super great at because you want to play to what the defense isn't super expecting. But primarily we're playing to our strengths, and in the preseason we're very much playing to our weaknesses. Um, running backs. The stats weren't fantastic, but I really did think the, the run game looked quite a bit better. The run blocking... And I guess we'll just jump to the offensive line because it's kind of one whole thing. And since I wasn't watching any one person in particular on the offensive line, I'll just say I thought the run blocking was much better. I mean, it, it was clearly better than, than last week when guys were in the backfield on every play. This was, I mean, there were holes. So I fully anticipate, probably not everybody, but um, there's going to be more than one player along that offensive line that um, showed up and has a decent enough run blocking grade. And I, you know, I... I I don't want to have to keep putting this caveat in here that I understand that it's preseason. I understand it's not as good a competition, but I'm going to. But something to keep in mind, the starting offensive line for the Packers actually looked pretty decent. It was when the second string offensive line came out against the Ravens second string defensive line. That's when things fell apart. So when we saw the lesser competition, things got worse. Now, this also doesn't necessarily carry into the regular season because basically none of our starters were out there. So just because our second string guys are figuring out how to run block, that has no bearing on anything. 
other than to hopefully say maybe the whole team is coming along. Let's just hope that that's the case. Either way, it was nice to see this stuff actually working, especially the the diversity of it, you know? I mean, would you, factoring in all the jet sweeps and all that crazy stuff, that was kind of cool. But you see all the outside runs. You see the occasional inside, and the, it's cool how quick the inside run looked. Right? The defense is expecting the outside, and you, these are slower, more developing plays. And then occasionally you just get this one straight up the gut, and it's just like, bam, just straight up the middle. Right? Just a quick four yard. I don't know, it's, it's kind of cool to see all the different stuff going on. Um, but Trey Carson looked pretty good. He only managed 3.6 yards, but uh, 32 total yards and a touchdown is, is not a bad day. Uh, Dexter Williams, I thought he looked pretty decent, but only 2.5 yards of carry. Trevor Davis, obviously 18 yards. I'll get to him, but jeez um, Louise, did he have a day. Keith Ford, six carries, 11 yards, so 1.8 yards. And then Deshaun Kaiser had one carry for six yards. So as far as the running backs go, um, 3.6 yards, 2.5 yards, and 1.8 yards, just not good enough. However, again, if the offensive line, hopefully the starting offensive line, can start to block in that manner. I think those are the kinds of things Aaron Jones just carves that up, man. You, you just give that guy a hole, and he's going to make magic happen. There are plenty of opportunities, plenty of spaces. So I'm, 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 I'm excited. Again, second-string guys against our second-string guys has nothing to do with Aaron Jones and our starters against the Bears' defensive front. I fully understand that. But it's nice to see the team coming along with run blocking. That is my point. All right, receivers. Man, oh man, oh man. Well, I, I guess we'll start with Equinemius. Pretty terrible situation. Um, it had been pretty much locked up that he was going to make the team. Aaron Rodgers essentially said as much. This is this is a done deal. He made the team. Um, I don't want to call it a positive. However, it does provide clarity. As far as locks at this point, and there may be more, but we'll call them lock locks, Devontae Adams, Marquez, and Geronimo. Even if we're only keeping five, at this point, Jake Kumaro is still locked in, in my opinion. Still some crazy stuff can happen, but I do believe he's done plenty. And now with, with Trevor Davis, it's just, especially in this kind of offense, with, with trying to do these different things, and, and basically, oh man, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying not to get overly excited, but the Packers were one of those teams that were starting to say, you get a guy like Trevor Davis, and it's just a matter of every year, well, we just got to find a way to get the ball in his hand. Matt LaFleur basically used him in a way that he needed to be used, and it was beautiful to see. So with Trevor Davis already being a good return man, check, right? We got that. He's awesome at it. He himself is starting to come around as a receiver. The scheme maybe is going to help him a little bit, but seeing him run clean routes as well as have great hands is huge. Then you have Matt LaFleur trying to use him in the correct way. For example, and I know Mike McCarthy had done this a couple times on occasion, but usually Trevor Davis's role was to run in a straight line really fast and try to draw a pass interference. And he was good at that, but that's that's 99% of the time when he ran a route. That was literally all he did, and it was really boring and really dumb. How about a quick wide receiver screen to Trevor Davis, who is our punt returner? Do you see how good he was at that? Because essentially that play is a punt return. You get the ball, you turn up field, Right? Your, your eyes are on the ball, then you turn up field and you see a bunch of blockers trying to block for you. It's very similar to a punt return. Then you get the guy in a jet sweep, you try to do all these... Di- Man, it just... And then you get to see the other plays where it builds off of that, right? Where he runs by and you're running the jet sweep again, except he keeps it and throws it. It's just... He is he is such a pivotal piece, in my opinion, to this offense. And and to be honest, if we can go down the line here, I had mentioned how Trevor Day it was it was more of a Trevor Davis or Darius Shepard situation, and that may be the case. But think about a situation in which you have Trevor Davis and Darius Shepard on the field. 
in terms of misdirection and all these different kinds of things, you can do a lot with that. If, if, if you have Trevor Davis and Darius Shepard who both have those kinds of ability, and I know that... The, the general thought is that we're going to be running a lot of two wide receiver, but you know, imagine running a similar play to that to where you have Trevor Davis coming across the field and you have the defense kind of worrying and cheating toward Trevor Davis, but then running the wide receiver screen to the side of the field that Trevor Davis is running from to Darius Shepard, who is another punt returner on another wide receiver screen. So now you've got blockers out in front of a punt returner while the defense runs the other way trying to catch Trevor Davis. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just stuff like that. Two Trevor Davises on the field. Now, I'm not don't don't misunderstand. I'm not saying Trevor Davis is some elite receiver, but he has unique specialties. He has unique qualities that some of the other guys don't have. Similar to a Randall Cobb, I guess. Right? He can you you can do crazy stuff with him. And and again, I think Matt Lafleur is better equipped to try to utilize these kinds of strengths. Whereas Mike McCarthy again was sort of a lineup and beat the guy in front of you. So for Trevor Davis, it's like you're fast. All right, you run straight lines. Marquez, you fast. You run straight lines, man. You better beat that guy in a foot race. That's your job. Understand that's your job. That's that's cool, but come on. So, anyways, we got Devontae Adams. We've got Marquez. We've got Geronimo. I think we've got Kumaro. We got Davis. If if we were to keep five, I think that's the five. If we're to keep one more, it's tough because I think Shepard is better than Lazard. I I just I believe that, and I, I Lazard is probably still graded higher on PFF. Lazard has the bigger body type, at which makes sense. He's got more experience. There's that. We already have Trevor Davis, who's similar to a Darius Shepard, but and and I also stand, understand keeping Lazard, uh, Lazard, and trying to put Shepard on the practice squad. I'm just in my mind, Shepard is the better wide receiver. It it kind of depends how much and if that's even true. That's my opinion on that. But I I I'm not playing games and trying to do some trickery with this. I'm not interested in that. Um, because Darius Shepard isn't worth losing. I'm not going to try to stash Shepard and be sneaky with it and then put uh, Lazard on the team. It's just, I'm just not going to do that. Because then if we lose Shepard, we're essentially keeping the inferior player for and then losing the in, the superior one because, I don't know, we thought we were trying to be slick. So it's it's a really tough call, and, and you know, like I've said on some other issues, I'm not mad at anybody that says Lazard over Shepard. It's, it's very close to 50-50 for me. But I think if if I had five, it ends with Trevor Davis. And actually, it might even be Trevor Davis above Kumaro, to be completely honest, if just to set a few people off, just because he provides that extra dimension. All right, Kumaro is like Geronimo, is like a lot of these other guys. Trevor Davis is a, a separate entity. He provides things that Trevor Davis does not. He does the special teams, all that stuff. So, in other words, if we only had to keep four, I might keep Trevor Davis. Again, I'm not saying better wide receiver than Kumaro. I think Kumaro is a better wide receiver but Kumaro's not running the Jets. Kumaro's not doing kick returns. Kumaro's not doing punt returns. We've got three receivers. Kumaro would be four. Trevor Davis is a different entity. But it shouldn't matter anyways. We're keeping it a minimum of five. So Kumaro and Davis. If we're doing six, I'm doing Shepard. If we're doing seven, then it's Lazard. I, I'm leaning toward we're going to keep six, but I don't know. I haven't done a 53. You would have to look at it. But uh, again, pretty upsetting about Equinemius. And we, we don't know what the prognosis is, but if you saw the video, it did not look great. Presumably, he's going to be on IR, would be would be my guess. I, I think he's done for the season, but we'll have to see. Uh, as far as tight ends, I, I didn't notice much of anything. I see Robert Tanyan had one catch for 11 yards. That's nice. But um, yeah, I didn't, didn't see a whole lot. You know, there was a lot of running, so we'll have to check out what their run grades were. You know, that's going to be a big thing for... 
whoever it is that wants to start. I don't know if Jace was out there. I didn't see him. It may have just been a lot of Tanya. But uh, it'll be very interesting to see what exactly they did as far as um, as run blocking and whatnot. And pass blocking, I suppose. And there actually were, now that I think about it, there were several times on those you know, play-action boots or whatever where you did have Tanya out and he was he was available. Several, several of those passes were just either in the dirt, over him, behind him, whatever. But you, you can definitely see where the tight end comes into play frequently. And it becomes one of those, you know, you stay one step ahead. I think I remember they ran it like twice and he was open both times. I don't think... Uh, I don't think Boyle was able to hit him once. But then on the third one, they had a guy ready, right? So this is sort of that chess thing where, okay, now we, we, we know it's coming. So now Lafleur looks at it and says, okay, now you're going to start bringing that guy down to cover our tight end. Now we're going to do this. And again, because we're running out of the same formation, you think you know what's coming. We run it. You see the guy, the tight end slipping out. So you think you know what play it is, but you're wrong. We're going this way. Or you just have the tight end run a different route, right? It goes out into the flat and then, you know, whatever. It's just kind of nice because presumably that's how the offense works. Whereas Mike McCarthy says that's the play, that's what we're going to run, and if you catch it, then that stinks. But hopefully we can just beat you. Lafleur is looking to build off it, so you, you know you adjust, I adjust, you adjust, I adjust, and our, our goal is to stay one step ahead of you to to make sure that somebody is schemed open all the time. You know you you're going to start doing this, then we're going to start countering with this, and that will leave this guy open. And again, that's where the intelligence of the quarterback comes in because it's not going to be. LaFleur isn't going to have time to sit and explain it, right? It's it's not going to be, here's the play, and look, here's why it's going down. So they've been doing this, right? So you got to watch this. If he does this, then you do this. And da, da, da. There's no time for that. Here's the play, go out there and do it. But Aaron Rodgers has to understand not just what the play is, but why I'm calling this play. That's where it gets to be really complicated. That's where a quarterback needs to be really intelligent. Fortunately, we have a guy that's really intelligent. Anyways, uh, let's take our second break, and we'll look at the defense a little bit. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 510 declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So, first of all, Tyler Lancaster looked like a monster and then got hurt. He seemed to be fine. I think he might have even come right back out. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Rashawn Gary got hurt, and then he came back out, and then he got hurt again. Really hoping he's okay. I saw him go down, and I saw him just... So, 
I saw him go down and I saw his neck get jerked back. And then when I saw him go down on his back and one of the guys tried to hold his hand out and he wouldn't put his hand back out, it was like, oh, come on, man. And I was really worried it was a severe neck injury. Hopefully, as, as a buddy of mine was saying, it's just a stinger. If it is, it's just one of those things that's got to work itself out. Could be, you know, a day or two, could be a week, whatever. But, you know, he should be more than fine for, for week one. And yes, I am going to say I thought Rashawn Gary looked a lot better. It's it's very clear he was told after week two, you better knock off this nonsense of not pursuing, which unfortunately is exactly how he got hurt because he, he played to the whistle on every single uh, every single down. And yes, again, he was right there on top of the quarterback. There was at least three times where if the ball wasn't coming out instantly, like as soon as he hits the, the, the end of his drop, he throws the ball. There were two times he went around the outside. One time he ran a stunt, and he came inside fast. Now, to the, the the point that the announcers had made, sometimes he goes a little bit wide on his, you know, coming around or whatever. The NFL is a, a tough business as far as, you know, the geometry of it, right? The the exact angles you got to take. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play that game again. I know he didn't ha- I think he had a tackle. They gave him credit for one. I'm going to give him credit for two. That tackle from behind, he should at least get half credit for. Which, by the way, he came all the way around almost got to the quarterback before the handoff and then chased the running back from behind and caught him. His, his speed is unbelievable. But there, he got his, his tackle, which, by the way, he was on the stat sheet already. He had a pressure in week one. But there, now he officially got a tackle, so hopefully you guys can be quiet. But I doubt it because he doesn't have a sack yet. And he's probably not going to play in week four um, because it's week four and nobody plays. But if he does, I really hope he gets a sack. For two reasons. One, I want people to be quiet. And two, <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I tried to look at Pro Football Focus to get some you know, find a good pass rusher that didn't have a sack in their first preseason game just to kind of quiet people down and be like, look, man, this guy didn't either. Couldn't find one. Von Miller had a sack. Khalil Mack had a sack. J.J. Watt had a sack. Uh, Miles Garrett had a sack. They all had sacks. Everybody had a sack in, in the preseason. Jadavian Clowney had a sack. He didn't even, and he started off slow. Uh, well, actually, he started off injured, but he had a sack. Actually, I don't know if that's necessary. Uh, I'm pretty sure they all had a sack. Maybe it was just a bunch of pressures. I don't know. Uh, I did, hey, Calais Campbell, two hurries, no hits, no sacks. In fact, Calais Campbell has never had a sack in the preseason. How about that? And for some of these guys, it's because of a lack of, of being out there. Not Calais Campbell. Rookie season, 74 total snaps, zero sack. The next year, 52 snaps, zero sacks. 52 snaps, zero sacks. 27 snaps, zero sacks. 45, zero, 35, zero. He has 285 snaps with zero sacks, four hits, and 11 hurries. Burn. Oh, and Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence is an absolute freak. He has had 161 snaps over four preseason games, zero sacks. So, you know, most pass rushers do have at least... And, and, and to also be fair, almost all of them only had one sack. I think Cam Jordan had three in his rookie year, which is crazy. But, um, so there you go. Now I want to keep going. <laughs> I need more proof. And really, Rashawn Gary has not even... It seems like he's out there a lot. He really isn't. I wanted to look at Daniil Hunter because that's sort of his comp, right? Daniil Hunter is sort of the... A lot of people see him as that kind of a player, I guess. Rashawn Gary has had about 60 snaps. Well, now I suppose it would be about 90 if it's 30 per game. Daniil Hunter did have one sack in his first... In his rookie preseason. He had 200 snaps. That's a lot. I mean, even if he played in all four games, that's 50 snaps per game. I mean, Rashawn will not even reach that. And again, 200 snaps, 121 pass rush attempts, one sack, two hits, and nine hurries. I'm fairly confident if you give Rashawn Gary 121 attempts, he's going to come up with one sack. 
In his first uh, two games, Rashawn had 31 attempts. By the way, uh, Daniil Hunter in his second preseason had 74 total snaps, zero sacks, zero hits, three hurries. And by the way, um, the first pass rusher taken, Nick Bosa, hasn't even played yet. Uh, the second pass rusher taken, Quinnen Williams, not really a pass rusher, but kind of, has zero sacks. The third pass rusher taken by the Oakland Raiders, Cleveland Farrell, zero sacks. The fourth pass rusher taken, Josh Allen, the freak that every Packer fan wanted. Guess, how, guess where he's at right now? Zero sacks. One hit and one hurry, basically the exact same as Rashawn Gary. So Quinnen Williams is, is trash. He was overrated, which, by the way, I did just see that on Twitter. Uh, Cleveland Furl, garbage. Josh Allen, trash. Rashawn Gary, garbage. These guys are all trash. Apparently, it wasn't even a good pass rush class because as good as everybody thought they were, zero sacks across all these guys. Uh, the next pass rusher, Ed Oliver, one uh, one hurry, one uh, one hurry, zero hits, zero sacks. Exact same as Rashawn Gary across two games. So Ed Oliver is also trash. So everybody that said we should have got Ed Oliver instead, he would have been a better pick. You were wrong. Ed Oliver is also garbage. Also, if we look at it, he's actually grading out a lot worse. His tackling grade is horrible. Because he's smaller, man. He's smaller. Turns out he's not a good pass rusher because we've seen in two preseason games he doesn't have any sacks. So he's trash. Brian Burns had two sacks in his first game. Zero hits, zero hurries. He followed that up with zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries. So he didn't even make the stat sheet in his second game. So he was good. Um, he might still be elite. I'm not sure exactly how this works, but he graded out uh, below average as a pass rusher in his second game. So maybe he's trash now. I'm not really sure how that works. And then uh, Montez Sweat, who was an uh, absolute freak, only played so far in preseason week two, zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurry. So everybody is garbage. Every single one of these guys is trash. Montez Sweat is trash. Brian Burns is elite. He's probably going to be the best pass rusher of all time. Rashawn Gary is trash. The Packers are dumb to take him, but it doesn't really matter because everybody is garbage. Nick Bosa's hurt. Quinnen Williams is trash. Cleland Furl is trash. Ed Oliver is trash. Rashawn Gary's trash. Um, Jeffrey Simmons is hurt. Montez Sweat is straight trash. LJ Collier hasn't even played. You know, he's hurt. He's trash. Zach Allen, remember that guy in the second round? Some people thought he was going to be really good. Trash. His overall grade right now is a 42.2. Zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries, zero tackle. Run defense grade is terrible. Pass rush grade is, is average at best. He's hardly even play. I mean, he's just, he's, he's garbage, man. Two rounds of everybody's garbage except Brian Burns in one game. What a horrible draft class. We should probably just cancel it. Just cancel the whole draft. Fire everybody. They're all trash. Start over. Find some new guys. Find some, some scrubs out there somewhere because this is the, wor the, the biggest ruse of all time. The idea, the, the actual concept that these guys were good is a media creation. Talk about fake news. The idea that these guys were any good. Josh Allen's going to be a good pass rusher. Give me a break. He has zero sacks, ladies and gentlemen. He's garbage. He's never going to be any good. Brian Burns, yeah, he was good once. He had zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries, zero tackles in his second game. He's garbage. It was a fluke. I think that was a media creation. The media probably came out and sacked him for him. Fake news, folks. Ed Oliver, you bunch of dummies thought Ed Oliver was going to be so good. He doesn't even have a good grade. His tackling is terrible. Zero sacks. Oh, he's going to be so good. He's amazing. There was that one play where he pushed a guy kind of back into the quarterback. Remember, he went up against uh, Quinnen Williams, and Quinnen's really good, and he pushed him. Ooh, wow, cool. He's garbage. This is all sarcasm, by the way, if you didn't pick up on that. It's all sarcasm. Relax. Rashawn Gary is doing exactly as well as everybody else. 
but he's showing signs of being a good football player. It takes time. I'm willing to give him that time. And again, if you look at Brian Burns' sacks, one of those sacks came as a quarterback was rolling out. He must have held the, the, the football for about 18 seconds. He's in the pocket. He's waiting. He's waiting. He rolls out, and Trubisky just stands there, and he gets hit. Granted, it was a good open field tackle, but when is Rashawn... Show me the opportunities Rashawn Gary had and failed. That's the difference. Everybody wants to look at the stats and lecture me about Rashawn Gary. Show me the opportunities. Well, he didn't have any tackles. Did you not watch the game where they ran away from him on every single play and the one time they ran kind of in his direction, he made the tackle? Am I the only one that actually watches these football games? Am I the only one watching him absolutely dominate a tackle, get to the quarterback, but the ball came out over and over and over? Am I the only one watching him stunt to the inside and just fly and get not only to the middle of the field, but up the field in a matter of about a a second and a half, which is absolutely freakish? Am I the only one watching that when Rashawn Gary goes off the field, nobody's even near the quarterback? Am I the only one that sees that Kyler Fackrell's on one side and he's about 14 feet away from the quarterback? Rashawn Gary has his hand on his shoulder on every play. Am I the only one seeing this? But no, he's garbage and we should hate him because he only has one tackle and one hurry in 60 attempts. Or maybe it's 90 now. Oh boy! Might as well be three, four years. I mean, do you guys remember me talking about Fletcher Cox? Fletcher Cox is one of the best defensive linemen in all of football. PFF credited him with 11 sacks, 25 hits, and 65 hurries last year. As I said, in 2012, his grade was a 71. In 2013, his grade was a 63. As a full-time starter, 63, he had three sacks on the season. In year three of his career, his grade was an 80. Right, that's pretty good. That's, that's, that's good. That's growth. Only had four sacks, though. So this is a guy that had all the hype and every, you know, my goodness, we're not talking about preseason. We're talking about three seasons with a grand total of 11 sacks in three seasons, like 3.75 sacks per season. Suddenly, 2015, year four rolls around. His grade is a 90.2 elite 10 sacks on the season. He has been a dominant football player ever since. The Philadelphia Eagles were willing to wait on this guy. Four years it took him. We got people that can't give Rashawn Gary four games, four preseason games. Come on, guys. And yeah, in 2013, his first year, Fletcher Cox had zero sacks in his preseason game. In 2014, zero sacks. In 2015, zero sacks. He has had three sacks in the preseason. Three. This man has 45 career sacks, three of them, three, three compared to three in the preseason. I know there's less games in the preseason, but the point is, relax. He's going up against lesser competition. He can't even get a sack in the preseason. These guys trash. Just look at the stat line, man. And again, just like I said yesterday, stats don't lie. We just don't know how to read them. That or we're asking the wrong questions. Well, if a quarterback throws a pass and it gets tipped and gets intercepted, is that really an interception? Yes, it is an interception. But if you're reading that as that's 100% of these picks are the quarterback's fault, then you're not reading it correctly. The stat isn't lying. You just don't know how to read. Well, Rashawn Gary doesn't have any tackles. Did Okay, well, were they running at him? Did he have op- How many opportunities to tackle did he miss? Explain that one to me. Again, stats don't lie. But sometimes people are too dumb to know how to ask the right questions or understand what the stats are telling you. Did he have five attempts at tackles, nine attempts, four attempts, three attempts? How many attempts did he have and he missed? How many times was a quarterback in the pocket a, a significant enough of time so that a, re, a reasonable amount of time to get a sack? How many of those attempts did he have but he didn't get the sack? I mean, what, what, what number do you think that would be? 
three seconds, bare minimum. And even then, the, the top pass rushers are going to have a hard time getting there in three seconds. Unless the, I mean, assuming the tackle doesn't just completely blow his assignment, typically a, a tackle is good enough to be able to hold up for three seconds. Usually a sack is going to come when the coverage is, is good enough that the, the quarterback has to extend at least a, a half a second or another second. A lot of these sacks come on scrambles. A lot of sacks come because one guy is pressuring him into the other guy. We see the numbers. We don't always see how it happens. It's not always as pretty and amazing as we think. Like, oh, you just run around the tackle and get him. Boom, real quick. There's a lot that goes into this. And what I'm saying is I have not seen a lot of times where Rashawn Gary is just stuck. In week two, I did see a little bit of that, and that was dis- disappointing. Preseason week one, I did not see that. I saw him beating the tackle. Preseason week three, I saw him beating the tackle. It wasn't the most technically amazing. Usually he just sped around the guy, which again, you can't do that in the regular season. That's not going to work. You got to do speed to power. You got to do conversion, uh, you know, pass rush, where you start to the outside, stunt to the inside, all that. You know, you got to mix it up. You got to do all these things. But so what? Oh, so him being real fast is good enough for you? Yes, if he beats the tackle and gets to the quarterback, but the ball came out, yes, that's good enough. Because that's literally all you can ask him to do. Where was Kyler Fackrell? Kyler Fackrell's still on the line of scrimmage trying to get off the tackle. Rashawn Gary's got around his guy. But Rashawn Gary's trash. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm preaching to the choir for the most part, but I, I just, I just, but the bottom line is I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear any garbage about Rashawn Gary was bad. I just don't. I saw a guy that was doing the best of his that he possibly could. I saw a guy that was pursuing. I saw a guy that was not even the closest to, to the ball carrier but made the tackle because of the hustle, because of the effort, and yes, because of the athleticism. He got there. He was passing people to go get the guy and get in on the tackle. Should we start a parade for him for that? No. But should we talk about him being a bust? Give me a break. If he's a bust, again, Ed Oliver is a bust. Josh Allen's a bust. Cleveland Furl's a bust. Montez Sweat is a bust. They're all garbage. We even got to start panicking a little bit about Brian Burns because he had one good game against against the Chicago Bears. One of those sacks came because essentially the, the quarterback held the ball for 19 seconds. I don't know how the second one happened, but what happened week two, man? Granted, he didn't have a lot of opportunities, but zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurry, zero tackles. He's trash. He just he just fell off, I guess. That was his that was his peak. Give me a break. Calm down. Relax. Jeez, I, I ranted on that way too long. I don't have any time. Uh, other other notes. Uh, I said Tyler Lancaster is a monster. He absolutely is. I thought he looked really good again. Raven Green is a man. I, I just, I really, really, really like Raven Green. I mean, it, it, I think at his worst, and this this isn't going to impress a lot of people, but just understand, I really liked him. At his worst, he's Atari Big B. Right? He's just flying around smoking people. But no, I, I really do think he's better. I think he looks great in coverage. And again, he just plays with an attitude, right? That That's what I've been trying to see from a lot of these guys. Sometimes it's, they there's something about the Packers. They look like they play scared. You know what I mean? Like the defense, they make a play and it's like it's, it's the ball's in the air. It's like oh boy, like like the Josh Jackson breakup. It was he's falling and he's flailing and please, please don't just stop. And then he kind of looked like he deflected the ball, but he kind of didn't. He probably just got his hand in his face so he couldn't see it and it got dropped. Whatever. It was a good play by Josh Jackson, but it's just like this whole like oh please don't make me look dumb. Raven Green is just like flying over there smoking a guy like, nope, don't touch that. Smack the ball out of his hand. Nope, nice try. Maybe don't come my way again. Right? He's just got this attitude. Just it's, it's confidence is what it is. He storms in. He punches a guy right in the throat and he storms off. He's just, he's an enforcer. And I just, I, I've, I mean, I, you can say I've done a complete 180 on Raven Green because there was a, a, a Raven Green, you know, group last year. And it was like, what are you guys talking about? And even last year when he was a starter, it was like, this isn't great. And maybe he's not going to be great this year, but I, 
for whatever reason, I'm, I'm watching it. He, he has been, in my opinion, the best defensive player we had. I don't think he's graded that way by PFF, but he's everywhere. He's all over the field. So Lancaster, Raven Green, um, I don't know. Those are the guys that have really stood out. Yes, Rashawn has has stood out. He hasn't had the stat line, but he's definitely stood out to me. Granted, I'm staring at him. Probably a few others would, you know, a few others would impress too. But um, those were the guys essentially that stood out. Um, as far as stats, Raven Green had one pass deflection. Uh, Nichelle Jamerson and Josh Jackson had two. Good on Josh Jackson. That's good to see. Chandon Sullivan had four pass deflections. So um, he's definitely a bubble guy. I'm I'm not super confident he's going to make it, but that's that's a good effort on his part. Um, tackles, again, Ty Summers was at the top. He had nine tackles. He was flying around. Uh, I don't know exactly how that translates as far as did he play well. I don't know, but that's a good sign. Uh, a million guys had three tackles, two tackles, whatever. Uh, no field goals, but Mason Crosby was two of two for extra points. Sam Ficken, one of one. J.K. Scott, seven punts, 47 average, um, one pinned inside the 20. 66 yards was as long, which is just... I mean, don't, don't, you know, that again, punting stats have got to be some of the worst stats because it's so hard to gauge it, right? It's a shorter field. So you look at 47 average and you go, oh, that's garbage. Well, no, because he's only supposed to kick it so far. Not every kick needs to be as hard as he can kick it. So we'll, we'll get some better stats as far as hang time and all that kind of stuff. But I thought he looked real sharp. Now, one of those punts, you know, it ended up getting returned for quite a bit. But that was, that was right in the corner at probably about the two-yard line. I mean, the guy caught it and, and ended up running a nice return, but that was about as beautiful a punt as you can get. And again, his longest was 66 yards, which is just insane. I think J.K. Scott is killing it this year. I, I hope he can continue this. You know, I know it's kind of a fickle thing, but man, if he can keep this up, that's going to be huge. And then uh, special teams, Trevor Davis gets a 17-yard return. Dar- Darius Shepard gets a 15-yard return. That Again, that competition was such a beautiful thing to watch. Everybody stepped up. Kumaro looked great. Trevor Davis and Darius Shepard especially looked like they made it their mission. Like th- This was legitimately a head-to-head battle between Davis and Shepard. Davis definitely came out ahead, but Shepard was just, he did absolutely everything he could. So anyways, I got to get flying, man. I'm going to be late, late. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow with a little bit more in-depth statistics. Have a good one. Bye-bye.